1: Welcome to the DFS pregame Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender BlenderHD, if you want going to follow me on Twitter. And it's Friday, March 17th it's St. Patrick's Day. Does it matter? Does it even matter? I don't even care. Right? Feel free to celebrate any way you want if it matters to you. But I'll be here breaking down tomorrow's UFC 280-something. It's 286, 285, five, two eighty. Something they they number that I don't know why they still number them, whatever. Whatever, it's a UFC pay per view tomorrow. So we're going over it's Fighting Friday. We're fighting, we're fighting with each other. Are we fighting with each other? I don't know. Not in the YouTube chat. What does Andrew Garcia Suki Singh? Good morning, D-Fick, Daniel Hutchings. Good morning, fight on. Yes, that's right, fight on. Hit the hit the thumbs up button. You know how much I like the, the thumb, the thummy thumbs. Smash the thummy thumbs. It's Fighting Friday. Remember, tomorrow an early it's early uh it's an early slate for for us here in the united states they're in uh they're in england so it's a 1 p.m eastern slate the 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 early prelims at 1 p.m eastern then 3 p.m for the the regular prelims and then 5 p.m eastern so you'll be out you'll be out of there by 7 30 ish eastern so pretty decent pretty i I like that right soccer in the morning i got soccer and with the 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 time shift right because the I don't think the UK does daylight savings time for another like week or two. So it's like 11 a.m. for the, for the primary, it looks like. And then 1 p.m. for the, the UFC cards. There's not, much, there's, there's not much time in between. So that's pretty good for me. But it's Fighting Friday. UFC 286. Two, I think it's 286. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, 15 fights. 15 fights. And you know what we do on this show? We don't necessarily break down the fights in and of themselves. If you want that. You listen to the Grounded Pound podcast with uh with Mike Brown, with uh Liam Heslin. Uh, that's in our premium section. So subscribe to Roto Grinders Combo Premium, right? You get NBA, you get MMA, you get soccer, you get PGA, you get NC, you get college basketball, right? MLB will be back, right? In less than two weeks. You get that also. You get all the projections, you get all the ownership, you get all the premium content, you get lineup HQ, full access, build your lineup, do whatever you want. Click on that link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month but what we do here we talk about the DFS strategy of an MMA slate and the two main contexts the contextual variables that we need to understand on every UFC slate is the size of the slate and the spread of the fights okay so we're trying to we're trying to figure out what is more likely or less likely that what the nut lineup will look like And it's based around those two main contextual variables, the size of the slate and the spread of the fights. Okay, so the size of the slate is 15 fights. There's a large large slate, right? Sometimes we have 10 fight cards. Sometimes we have 12, 11, sometimes 13, 14, 15. 15 is a lot of fights, which means there are 30 fighters to choose from, which means there's a lot more uh, combinations available. Uh, to to make the nut lineup. Let me reload this a bit. So when there's a lot more fighters, there's a lot more opportunities for fighters to put up ceiling scores, to have finishes, have a lot of, a lot of ground and pound and takedowns and everything like that. So your your aim. I mean, it sounds kind of straightforward. That you're always aiming for like the highest score you could possibly get, right? But you're aiming primarily for ceiling. For for all of your fighters, okay. So you know, picking uh, you know, it's quite possible that you know Joanne Wood at eighty six hundred beats Luana Carolina and scores eighty four points. That's not gonna. That's probably not gonna be good enough for the nut lineup. Doesn't mean doesn't mean you cash. You can cash with that. Can you win a small field GPP with that? Maybe. So you're primarily aiming less on win equity. And more on ceiling equity. Can this fight either score a lot of points from grappling on DraftKings, especially, or can we get early finishes? Can we get some knockouts, knockdowns, stuff like that? So that's what we're primarily aiming for, and this is the main reason why, like a guy like Marvin Vittori at ninety-one hundred is going to be lower owned, right? Because at ninety-one hundred, I mean, his his inside the distance line is like plus three forty or something. Not much of a finisher. Can he, he? has some wrestling. He'll probably he'll probably be uh, dominant on the feet even against Roman Dolidze, right? Maybe not that high of a ceiling. Can can it happen? Sure, of course, but it's a lower probability, right? We have uh, we have fights like uh, like uh, let's see. Hmm. I mean, that like Jennifer Maya Casey O'Neill, like Casey O'Neill could put up a ton of takedowns. She has a high ceiling, but. He doesn't land enough takedowns. I don't know if there's a finish in that fight. Maybe it's a little bit lower ceiling. But I mean, obviously, Fiziev, Gagey. Probably no wrestling in that in that fight. You're probably, at 8,800 for Fiziev. Justin Gagey, 7,400. You're probably going to need a knockout. Right? In order to hit a ceiling. It's that like, like, uh, 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 Raphael Fiziev, you know, winning even in a, like, a third round knockout. Maybe scores 92 points. Is that going to be good enough for 8,800? 8,800. On a 10-fight card, that may be true. On a 15-fight card, probably not, because there's a lot more opportunity. The opportunity cost is much higher because there's more fighters to choose from. There's more fights. There's more opportunities for a fighter to score 100-plus points. So that's the first contextual variable of the slate, the size of the card. Okay? And obviously, the normal contextual variables of a contest, like the larger the contest that you're playing, the closer to the nut lineup that you'll need to make. So can you can you play guys like Vittori or Fiziev or Joanne Wood in smaller field contests? Yeah, because you, you you may not need the nut lineup. Large field, those ceilings, I don't know. Less less of a chance that these these fighters hit a ceiling where they would be optimal. They would be in the nut lineup with, with their score. Because you also have to think of that on the underdog side as well. Right, you take a look at uh like like I think Leon Edwards. I mean, do you think Leon Edwards like wins a decision? I mean, probably needs an early knockout. I mean, look, Leon Edwards knocked out Uzman in the fifth round in their last fight and didn't score a hundred points. This is a fifteen fight card. It's it's quite possible that Leon Edwards actually does that again. Scores ninety points and doesn't even make the optimal lineup at seventy and seventy three hundred. Right. Brian Barbarena against Gunnar Nelson. I mean, if he doesn't get a knockout on the first round, I don't know. I don't know how he scores a hundred points. Right, Luana Carolina or Jennifer Maya. I don't know. Ceilings are limited. Luana Carolina. I mean, what does she do? She doesn't really do much. She doesn't grapple. She's not a high volume striker. I mean, Joanne Wood. I don't know. It doesn't look like. I don't, I'm not sure that she wants to fight anymore. So the variance of that fight may be actually a little bit higher. But looking at those fights, those are not necessarily the highest ceiling fights. Can it happen? Yes. But it's a lower probability. And you should be focused on larger cards for finishing probability, for 100 plus point type of probabilities rather than just pure win equity. Oh, I think that person could win the fight, right? Lerone Murphy versus uh, versus Gabriel Santos. It's like, yeah, I think Lerone Murphy at 8300 has good good win equity, but does he score 100 points? much lower lower less likely than than like the Ludovic Klein Jai Herbert fight which is probably going to end inside the distance. It's favored to end inside the distance. We have the Christian Duncan Dusko Todorovich fight. That's like minus 375 to end inside the distance. The fights that end inside the distance are more more likely, more likely to score 100 plus points. So on larger cards, I will focus on more of those types of fights than the ones where, yeah, the winner gets a split decision and wins with like 75 to 85 points. We focus less on that. Then what's the other contextual variable? The spread, the spread of the fights. Because that'll determine the likelihood, the probability. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed. These are all probabilities. More likely, less likely. Not will happen, won't happen. The spread of the fights will determine how more or less likely the nut lineup is closer to using most, if not all, of the salary. So 50K, 49.9, 49.5, 49.8. There are some slates where it's less, it's in my, in all cases, it's more likely that a lineup that uses most of the salary is the nut lineup. But as, as you go down in salary, you also go down in duplication. You also go down in ownership. Less people are playing lineups that leave 1200 on the table, that leave 700 on the table. It goes down exponentially. So on cards where the spreads of the fights are smaller, it's more likely that a lineup that leaves money on the table can be the nut lineup. And when the spreads of the fight are wider, it's more likely that the nut lineup uses most of the salary. Why is that the case? Well, I mean, if we take a look at the odds here, it's like, well, in order for you to leave salary on the table and the lineup to be the nut lineup, you need to get six winners and they need to pretty much be the six highest scores. So in order to get six winners, like in any lineup that you make, you're going to have to play at least one underdog okay' you're, you're forced to do that, right And with the 50k salary. So in order to leave a thousand on the table, you're gonna have to play at minimum two underdogs and most probably three or even four underdogs. They could They could be slight underdogs, but I mean, for the most part, you're gonna be playing two, three, four underdogs and then leaving a thousand on the table. Well, how likely are the underdogs to win? Well, when the spreads are close, the underdogs, it's it's a lot of pick'em fights. DraftKings has the salaries just in the range of what the money line is, but sometimes, like the most expensive fighter is only a minus two fifty favorite. Sometimes the most expensive fighter is a minus eight fifty favorite. Sometimes on this slate, we have Jack Shore minus four ninety, Juliana Miller minus four forty, Jake Hadley minus three eighty, Gunnar Nelson minus three sixty. Right, so we got a eight to one fighter. We got two four-to-one fighters. We got two three-to-one fighters. And then we got one, two, three, four, five, five other fighters down to 8,700 that are more than a two-to-one favorite. We've seen cards where the the biggest favorite is only minus 250. And still priced at like 9,400, 9,500. On those cards, it's much more likely that the the matchups are closer. On a card like this, then typically they're pay-per-view cards. The spreads of the fights are typically are wider, which means it's less likely that we'll see multiple underdogs winning. And then on top of that, winning and also being part top six scores. So it's not just, oh, we got oh four underdogs win, but Jennifer Maya wins and it gets scored 62 points. Right? Luana Carolina wins and scores 82 points. It's still possible that they don't even make, they don't even make the nut lineup, even if four underdogs win. So in order to have, they leave a thousand on the table. Like you need, you need Dusko Todorovic to put up 110 points. You need, you Yanal Ashmoos or someone to knock him out in the first round and score 105 points. Right. You need Jai Herbert to, to, to win with 120 points. And then, these guys outscore an 100-point score from one of the 9K fighters. It's like, oh, they outscore a 9K fighter enough that you could leave 1,000. Instead of playing Jake Hadley, you played Omar Morales instead. Instead of playing Gunnar Nelson, you played uh, Jai Herbert, and you left 1,400 on the table. And Jai Herbert still beat out all the guys above him. That's less likely on car- on cards where the, the spreads are, are wider. I mean, look, Lerone Murphy is a minus 180 favorite at 8,300. 8, 8, Almost a two-to-one favorite down to the 8,300. The only pick em fight is really Omar Morales and Chris Duncan. Chris Duncan is a slight favorite. A slight, ever so slight favorite with some line value at 8,000. So most likely, more likely, the nut lineup is, is going to be a lineup that spends most of the, most of the money. That doesn't contain three, four underdogs, which means if you're building lineups and like oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna leave 1500 in salary in all my lineups, like Ugh. I don't know how I don't, I don't know if you're gonna build that many plus EV lineups that that do that. There's some people there. Hey, there's some multi-entry players that do this every slate. They'd go I'm an average salary 48.5, and they build a bunch of lineups and they just do that every slate blindly, without any context and their portfolios are are heavily negative ev on these types of cards then on other cards where it's you know it's a it's an 11 fight card and it's half the more than half the fights are pickems their 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 portfolio is heavily plus ev and a lot of people's that are like oh no i'm just going to spend 50k in salary and be duplicated 37 times in every lineup like those are the negative ev portfolios but people think in terms of you got to do it or you don't got to do it like it's all based on the context of the slate. So I will be building lineups. I, I'm I'm building. I'm doing 70 large field lineups, five small field lineups. The small field lineups are, are going to be. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to. You know, get in nuts with them. But my large field lineups, like out of the seven lineups, I mean, my. I, I'm I'm going to be spending. I'm I'm going to be spending most of my salary. 49.8, 49.9, 550 k And you could still not be duplicated. I, I could find unique lineups that are 50K. I could find lineups that are only duped two or three times at 49.9 or 50K. I can. That's what I do. That's what I try to look for. I look for under five. I, I, I aim not for uniqueness. I aim for, is it under four or less? Am I duped four or less? I don't want to have lineups that are duped 15 times. There's a lot of combinations up here within these 9k fighters. There's no 9k fighter that's just going to be like overwhelmingly chalky. We have here I mean Usman Edwards. I mean that that fight's going to be chalky. Usman's going to be chalky at 8900. Especially with his wrestling, with his grappling and wrestling, five rounds of it, most likely not get he's most likely not going to get a finish. He's only plus 330 inside the distance. But he could score 130 points no problem. Just on just on grappling, he's going to be popular. Then Christian Duncan has, has the best inside the distance line, and he's only eighty seven hundred. But of course, that fight that that Dusko Tunken fight, I mean, that probably ends in the first round. Whoever loses that fight doesn't score well, right? Obviously. So I think Christian Duncan is going to be decently popular. I think uh, Ludovic Klein at plus one ten. Inside the distance, he'll be decently popular, but I mean, nothing stands out that much. I mean, in the 9K range, nine K range, Bukhov is ninety seven hundred. He's a minus eight fifty favorite with a minus one thirty inside the distance, and he's a chain wrestler, which means he's he's great. His floor and ceiling combination is, is the best on the slate. But at ninety seven hundred, especially when there's like a lot of these dogs are, I mean, they're 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 not very good to win. It's hard to build lineups with a $9,700 fighter and still find six winners in your lineup. So it's not like he's going to be exorbitantly owned. I have him at 28% owned. Then Shore, Miller, Hadley, Nelson, like all of the all of these low 20s. I don't know if any any individual one stands out. I don't think people will just be like, oh, I got to play Gunnar Nelson or I got to play Jake Hadley or Miller. Sure, I think it'll be spread around 20%. So how many combinations are? There? I mean, you could do Shore Miller, you could do Shore Hadley, you could do Shore Nelson, you could do Miller Hadley, Miller Nelson, Hadley Nelson. You could do, you could have, you could Mokhayev with any of any of them. You could use one of them and then also play. You know, then you have like Sam Patterson, probably in the low twenties as well at nine k. Then you get in like the mid range, and it's like I think Casey O'Neill is going to get decent ownership. She'll be around thirty percent owned. Klein will be close to that. But then, like, Murphy will be in the low 20s. Chris Duncan will be in the low 20s. Like, there's there's not there's not gonna be many fighters that are just like overwhelmingly owned, which means that there's gonna be a lot more combinations available that'll be less duplicated. As long as you avoid the the, the, the primary duplicated type of type of uh lineup constructions on the underdog side. I would see with we're going to get obviously some name value ownership on Justin Gagey at 7400. we going to get Leon Edwards main event underdog who is the champion, right, even though he's an underdog. I think Roman Deleeds at 7100 is going to be way overowned. Right? To me the the oh, overowned and underowned as, as as of my figures right now, I think the overowned fighters right now i think usman is overowned at 42% that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's you he can't play him but on a 15 fight card i mean there's 14 fights that could outscore the main event that's five rounds so like like as as the card gets bigger the main event is you know the main event still gets the five round fight still gets owned typically typically the five round fight on a 15 fight card is always overowned just always so if you build your Uzman lineups, build build that within mind that you have to find leverage leverage elsewhere. So I have Uzman is overowned. I got uh, Lerone Murphy at twenty four percent is overowned, to, to a decent amount. I mean, there's some minimal like you know, minimal discrepancies. I think Gagey is a little over-owned. I think Leon Edwards is going to be overowned at twenty eight percent if he comes in at that. So I have him at now at Roman Dolidze at twenty eight ish percent. I have him as over owned. Right, those are the those are the main people that like I, that I will I, I'm probably gonna be under on. Casey O'Neill is a little bit over owned, <coughs> but not heavily over owned. I think it's Usman. Over the over owned stuff is kind of like Usman and Murphy. Gagey Edwards say. but out of all these overowned people, I mean, I don't mind playing uzman I like avoiding the chalky underdogs. The underowned, the underowned fighters. I think, I think M- Miller will be a little underowned. Typically, typically ninety four hundred dollar female fighter doesn't get as much ownership as they should. I have her at 22%. I've had Lee a little little underowned at like 22%. If he comes in at 22%, a little, just a little underowned. I got F- F- Fiziev against Gagey, a little underowned. Christian Duncan's about the same. Christian Duncan, I mean, only because he's minus 135 inside the distance. I have him at 32. He probably, probably should be around there. I got Ludovic Klein at plus 110. He probably probably should be 30. I have him at 28. But but the underowned owned more is more in the lower range. Like I have Omar Morales as underowned. owned I mean, because Chris Duncan, because of the line flippage, I think Chris Duncan may be twice as owned, or almost twice as owned as Omar Morales. So I think Omar Morales is a good leverage play. You just have to understand with Omar Morales that, like, if he doesn't knock him out, like, you're getting no points.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Okay, well, Morales has, like, no volume. He doesn't wrestle, and he has no volume. Okay, so just be aware of that. You're playing a guy that has that will, will win with one punch. That's it. If he doesn't get that one punch and knock him out, like, don't, don't expect him to even win a decision. But for his line, for his plus 190 inside the distance line, at 18% owned, I have him as under-owned. I have Dusko Todorovich as under-owned. Against Christian Duncan, Todorovic also understand that, that Todorovic can wrestle. He has no chin, dude. This guy just leaves his hands down, and he and he he barely gets his head off the center line. He's waiting to be knocked out. I mean, to me, the the fight to target for a hundred plus points is the Duncan, the Christian Duncan Dusko Todorovic fight. But I think Todorovic has like. Christian Duncan has like the first round knockout upside. But Todorovic could wrestle. Christian Duncan has horrible takedown defense, and he's a newcomer. I mean, like it's like okay, and these 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 UFC debutants that are favored are a lot of times, you know, people overvalue them, or they or they look at the the the, the guy that they're facing and go, that guy sucks. It's like, well, dudes, got Todorovic has faced. Actual UFC caliber fighters, while Christian Duncan hasn't. So Todorovic Todorovic can take him down, ground and pound, something like that. So Todorovic has a hundred plus point upside, but he also could get knocked out in seventeen seconds. But I have him as underowned. I also have Yanal Ashmuz. He's a UFC newcomer. He's facing Sam Patterson. They're both they're both making their first for their debut. I have him as underowned. I have him at sixteen percent. And also he has he has wrestling upside also. He's going to going almost have to have. He's you know Ashmos is going to have to wrestle with the discrepancy of height and and reach. Like Sam Patterson has is going to be like a half a foot taller than him and like have nearly a foot reach advantage. I think 10 inches. I think Sam Patter- Patterson is 6 foot 3. And Ashmos is 5 foot 9. And this is at 155. So like Sam Patterson is just his frame is ridiculous, for 155 and a 10 inch reach. So, like, dude, Ashmus is not going to do anything like from distance at range. He's going to have to get on the inside, and then he tries to get on the inside, and maybe he gets knocked out. I think that's I think that's a good fight to target as well, the Patterson Ashmus fight. I mean, you can see this from just from the inside the distance lines. I mean, like, I'm not I'm not saying anything. Like, I'm not coming up with hot takes out of out of nowhere. <clears throat> so, those, I mean, I think the Klein Herbert fight overall is a little under owned. So, like, I'm, I'll be focused on Patterson, Ashmoos, Todorovich, Duncan, Christian Duncan, Todorovich, Klein Herbert. Just understand with the Klein Herbert stuff, like, you got one round for both fighters. Like, these aren't really wrestlers. I guess Klein can take Herbert down. Like, Ludovic Klein really isn't a, a wrestler. So, like, Ludovic Klein and Jai Herbert, it's, like, outside of the first round, probably neither fight, neither fighter hits 100. Patterson, Ashmoos. I mean, I think Patterson... Probably, first. you need first round. And Ashmoos, maybe not, because he's 7,200. I think the, the fiziev Gagey fight is going to be over-owned. But I wouldn't mind playing, playing Fiziev for, for leverage. Because I think... Gagey is going to be over-owned just by based on name value. The thing about the Roman Deledze ownership is like, oh, Roman Deledze maybe thirty percent owned at seventy one hundred, but I don't even know. I don't even think like, oh, well, the leverage thing is to play Vittori at ninety one hundred against him. I mean, I I just rather play another nine k fighter. I just think I just think, but the other fighters have so much more upside than Vittori. And Roman Delize, I don't rate out to be that great of a fighter. I think I think uh, some of the, the recent finishes, he's just been lucky to get in certain positions. And this is a this is a step up in competition. Roman Deliza, I mean, he faced Jack Hermanson last fight. Hermanson won the first round easily. And then Hermanson got Delizze down and Delizze reversed and then got the, you know, the weird, the weird cat slicer, whatever tie. He got some weird position and then, then hammered him to death. I don't think that happens against Vittori. I mean, I think this is I mean Hermanson is a decent fighter, but I mean, if it wasn't for a, an opportunist position that Delisze was in, I mean he would have lost that fight. So like Vittori's even better than Hermanson. But he's plus three thirty five inside the distance because we we've seen Delisze just out of the blue. You know, he get a knockout. He could something we it seems like something weird happens in half the half of his fights. But that's kind of what I'm looking at. I may be under on, on Casey O'Neill because her finishing upside is lower, but I mean she could rack up takedowns. But I, I think Jennifer Maya is a good fighter. I mean Casey O'Neill's young. Jennifer Maya has fought for the title. She's one she she's won a round against Valentina Shevchenko. I don't I don't necessarily think that you know Jennifer Maya is actually pretty good on the ground. She's not like an offensive, she's not an offensive grappler. But I mean Jennifer Maya could reverse Casey O'Neill and submit her. I don't think I mean it's a case deal is only a minus 165 favorite and people may be treating her <coughs> because of her upside as so much more of a sure thing than anything else. It's like, yeah, when she scored uh, when she scores 130, 150 points, it's when she's a minus 300 favorite, minus 400 favorite. I mean, she's only 62%, 62% implied probability, minus 165. She could lose the fight. Do you play her in cash games? Yeah, okay. I could see that. Yeah, okay. I'd much rather play Casey O'Neill than Ludwig Klein in cash games, right? Because Klein's path, I mean, a decision win for Klein could be 55 points. I mean, that's how low it could be. Casey O'Neill could lose and score 55 points. Yeah, but I think the popular build, like, if, we, if we're going to go by, if we're going to go by, like, GPP, I think you're going to see like Uzman. You can see Uzman. So this would be like lineup types that you would avoid, like Uzman Dalidze, right in here. Probably see Casey O'Neill, right, something like that. Casey O'Neill. Probably see one of one of these, one of these nine K fighters. One of them. I don't know which one yet. Hadley, maybe. Hadley, and then 8,100. We got 8,100. We get a Justin Gagey here or something, right? Justin Gagey, 8,800. Christian Duncan. Yeah, like something like this, right? A 9K fight. Right, so a 9K fighter. Usman at 8,900. Zane Gagey. And if, if you don't have Usman and you have Edwards, then you take out Gagey and you put in Edwards there, right? Christian Duncan at 8,700. And if not Christian Duncan, this could be, this could be like Ludovic Klein, right? Ludovic Klein and you move up Hadley to like Makayev. Like I could see this. I could see this being a popular lineup. Makayev, Usman, O'Neal, Klein, Gagey, Delizze. I could see this being a popular construction popular lineup in in and of itself. And if you don't play Gagey here, you and you have and you don't play Usman, right? Then you have Edwards in that spot, right? So these are the would would be what the Edwards kind of lineups look like. Edwards, Delizay, O'Neal, Makayev, Klein, Sam Patterson or something. Gunnar Nelson, or you know, instead of Makayev, you have two, you could play two of these people. Right, you can play. You can play Shore and Nelson, right? Something like this. You may see a bunch of lineups that look like this, with two nine K fighters, with no Uzman, and then Edwards in that lineup. These are the lineups that I in GPPs that I would be avoiding. But so these are the lineups that you cross out. Highly duplicated lineups. But you could build plenty of lineups. I mean, I think combination wise. I'd group out. I mean, like, the groups aren't that dramatic because like there's nothing that's like insanely owned. I think maybe I maybe I group out no more than two of Gagey Edwards Delisze. But I mean, I still still think you can make decent lineups that have weird combinations up top. I think the the the, the highest the highest R combination is gonna be Usman Delizze. Usman Delidze or like Makayev Edwards. Right? In order to play 9700 dollars you probably you probably you're going to jam in like the main event underdog. So maybe maybe you avoid some of those combinations. Makayev Edwards and Usman Delidze. Or even Usman Gagey. Or you do something like Usman Geji Edwards Delidze and just say max 2 even then i then i would try me personally i do max 1 i'd like i don't want any i don't even want that i want to make sure i'll be even less duplicated but you can probably find combinations not as many that are going to be under 5 even with two of those guys on the lower end i mean truthfully i don't know how much Barberina, Gordon, Hardy, Amircani, or Filio, I'll have. I mean, I'm just. They have to win and they also have to score well. I mean, they're inside the distance lines are just just awful. Like 1 Amercani could could win with the submission in the first round against like Jack Shore. I guess, in theory. Outside of the first round, I think 1 is just the what what he do, he doesn't he does he doesn't strike much and i mean jack shore is a better wrestler than than mac so like what, what's going to happen when he gets gassed which mac one gets gassed all the time so it's like he's like first round submission or bust guy filio's plus 900 i mean come on cuz it's not just winning like like it's a 15 fight card maybe El filio wins a decision and scores 68 points like I don't know if that does it. Uh, uh, great, helps me cash more. I don't know if it hits the nut lineup. Malcolm Gordon plus seven forty, Veronica Hardy plus seven fifty. I mean, these are very low probability outcomes. Barbarina maybe. If Barbarina could come out and brawl against Gunnar Nelson. I don't think Gunnar Nelson is that good. I mean, Gunnar Nelson will spam takedowns like and that, and Barbarina has no problem getting taken down like that. That's why the line is the way it is. But if Barbarina doesn't get taken down, I mean Barbarena on his feet, why not? Maybe. Maybe I take maybe I take a shot on Brian Barbarena, but it's quite possible I may, may not have any Gordon Hardy, Amercani, or Filio. It feels like Gordon should be more better than plus 740. It feels like it should be, but I mean, I think I think Hadley knocks him out. I mean, I think Hadley has him covered everywhere. But Malcolm Gordon, he could pull out something. So I'm just not going to be building that many lineups with like low, these low price fighters. I'm I think I'm going to have plenty of Todorovic T- T- Ash and, T- and Ashmuz, Ashmaz, Ash whatever. Those are going to be the two underdogs I have more of. And then in smaller field stuff, Luana Carolina against uh, Joanne Wood. I don't think Carolina puts up 100 points. So I think for large field contest, she may not be as valuable. But in small field stuff, I think she, I, I think, I think Luana Carolina could, could, could finish Joanne Wood. If Joanne Wood, I mean, this could be her last fight. I mean, without her saying that this is her retirement fight, this could be her retirement fight. We all know, we've all seen what happens in people's retirement fights. Anytime this is the heuristic, right? Anytime someone says, this is my retirement fight. You take the other person. You take the other person because they typically it typically ends bad for the guy or the person that the fighter that's retiring. Joe Enwood has not looked good. Leon Carolina isn't good either, but I mean I think this this fight is such so much more high variance. I'll take the shot on the 7600 dollars fighter. Right? And I think I'll play a bunch of Omar Morales, although You know, you're going to get that situation, remember, with William Knight a couple of weeks ago? Or Morales will just, he's just going to wait. You're going to be sitting there. You're going to be screaming at the TV for a minute and a half going, are you going to do anything? He's a a counterpuncher. So, like, he's going to wait for one good punch and that's it. He's going to have 36 significant strikes in a decision. And he'll probably lose because of volume. So just understand that if you're going to play that fight. Anything else? Any questions in the YouTube chat? I mean, this is this is this is all I this is all I do. Break down the you know ownership versus the betting lines versus you know the projections and ceilings, who's underowned, who's overowned, what is the nut lineup more or less likely to look like based on the contextual variables of the slate? And then you get the lineup constructions that you should avoid. And the lineup constructions that you should look to, to to go towards. So on this slate, 15-fight card with a lot of large spread fights. For large field GPP, you're probably building lineups that are closer to 50K. You're probably prior, you're prior, prioritizing inside the finishing equity over win equity. And you're trying to avoid the popular combinations of like Mokaev, Uzman, Dalidze, Leon Edwards, Casey O'Neill, Justin Gagey. Like if 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 you have like three or four of the guys that I just mentioned in your lineup, you or even three. If you have three, if you have two, if you have three of those, probably not. Christian Duncan's probably you could throw that in there as well. Probably want to max three at, at minimum to avoid combinations like that. I mean, those aren't those aren't bad liners, it's just that they're gonna be duped more often than they should. Okay. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. The thummy thumbs, the thummy thumbs, hit the thummy thumbs, smash them. Subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Send in your questions about DFS strategy, especially the MLB ones. We'll be starting our MLB primer this coming Monday. So will be Monday through opening day. We'll just be going through, you know, one of MLB DFS 101. Not, maybe not two, uh, 201, not 101. How many points do you get for a single? We're not going to go over that stuff, right? So maybe a two, MLB DFS 201 type of class. So send in your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com, especially if you have those MLB DFS related questions. And I will be answering them. And obviously I'll be answering any other DFS strategy questions or MLB questions. Even once the season starts, right? We'll have six months MLB, right? Within six weeks of the MLB season started, we'll be like, oh, when is this over? Right. That's what it always is. It's exciting in the beginning. Then by the time you get to July, it's like, when is this ever going to end? Okay. That's normal. That's normal for MLB. So I'll be covering that starting next week. James will be on on Mondays. we we'll, 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 we'll start that. With with uh with James with uh, Mondays with McCool and go throughout the week until leading up to opening day. And of course, then we can start getting preemptions of the the pregame show where I'm on Grinders Live with Dean, because we'll have some Wednesdays and Thursdays that have like afternoon slates, like noon one a, 1 p.m. type slates. And we'll talk and we'll actually break down some some actual MLB slates early in the morning. That's what I do here. I help you guys. Right. You help me by hitting that thumbs up button. So hit the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Have a good UFC 286. Is it 286? I think it's 286. I think it's, I think it's 286. Well, have a good card. I'll be back next week answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern. On the DFS Free Game Show. On rotogrinders.com.